listening to the One Two Three Show with me, Noreen Mir, on this Wednesday afternoon, and I'm super, super excited to welcome back on the program, Cruzy McCalligan. How are you doing, Cruzy? Hi, happy Wednesday. Happy Wednesday to you. I'm going to suppress the urge to talk like a pirate for this, <laughs> the next half an hour. Won't <laughs> be that hard because I'd be rubbish at it anyway. We're talking about pirates today. Well, you're 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 talking about pirates today, and I'm super excited about that. Um, I, I always ask you, what's the rationale? What's the thinking behind it? Okay. And unfortunately, as of the last two years, my answers have been kind of boring because they always tend to relate to things my toddler is into. But it has reminded me um, that when I was probably like eight or nine or ten years old, I was really fascinated by pirates. You know, when you're you're a kid and you're into dinosaurs, or you're into trains or whatever it is, and I was really into pirates. And I'd forgotten that I'd been uh, that I used to be into pirates. Do you know what I mean? That I used to love reading like horrible histories book books about them or stories about them and learning about all the the things they did and the scary things they did and all that buried treasure and all that. And I was really into pirates as a kid. And I'd kind of forgotten that because that's the thing we we do. We grow up and we we lose our interests. <laughs> and then, you know what I mean? And then it comes but, back to you in weird and wonderful yeah. ways. So then I was reading a story about a pirate and a pig. True story. Not a true story. True story that I was reading the story. I don't think there were many pirates who had pigs as pets, but they did keep livestock on board. We'll get into that later. Um, and I was thinking, gosh, you know, pirates are really, are really interesting. And so I want to look at them a little bit more. But of course, because of course we have the like Pirates of the Caribbean movies, right, um, that have come out over the last kind of ten years, and just I, sort of glamorize, just sort of glamorize yeah. the whole concept of a bit but yeah. it's also I just wanted to know I just wanted to look into it and I'm so glad I did because it is just as interesting as it was when I was a kid and it's all come flooding back to me um so yeah so of course we have a certain idea an image of pirates and that is pretty much because of Disney so <laughs> the reason we think about pirates and the way that we think about pirates um and I mean pirates in terms of the pirates of the Caribbean we'll talk a little bit of about modern day pirates later, but we're not, I'm not confusing the two right now. Um, so of course we have this image of them and that they talked like a pirate, you know, like the Aro Matey landlubbers, that kind of stuff, which is brilliant. Oh, but yes. it's pretty much quite fictitious. And the stereotypical pirate accent was actually invented by Disney. So we've just missed, unfortunately, September 19th was annual Talk Like a Pirate Day, which even though a part of me wishes I'd taken part in, a part of me also cringes a lot at the idea of taking part in it. But the truth is that pirates did not have a uniform accent. And many of the phrases we associate with them today are actually from the 1950 Disney film Treasure Island, um, where there was Rob, uh, Robert Newton as Long John Silver. And this was all based off an 1883 novel um, by, of the same name by Robert Louis Stevenson. So, of course, in the film from the 1950s, Treasure Island, um, we have Long John Silver saying, ah, oh, shiver me timbers, landlubbers, all this kind of stuff. And that kind of trickled down into our kind of modern um, stereotype of what a pirate is like. And same with the pirate outfit. So we were just joking that both of us are wearing stripes today. And for some reason, that's a bit piratey. piratey. Like if you're trying on book day as a pirate, you'd probably put them in a striped T-shirt. And we don't really know why, right? Um, 
But of course, the, the pirates that we know from modern movies have this really signature style. But again, that on-screen fashion is not entirely accurate. Um, the only uh, pirate that has ever looked like Johnny Depp as Jack Sparrow is Johnny Depp as Jack Sparrow. And pirates actually wore typical kind of maritime clothing of the day with pirate captains who had a little bit more money actually wearing quite expensive outfits. You know, so it wasn't just like people just in kind of rags, rags and yeah. you know, tying a sack around your waist kind of thing. But there is one part of the outfit that is a little bit accurate, and that's the eye patch, the characteristic pirate eye patch. Now, we thought, like I thought they wore eye patches because they were missing an eye. Isn't that the case? True. No, they, they wore them for a different reason. Apparently they wore an eye patch, and I don't know if, I don't know what the science is oh, behind this. For the help there. No, no, but I like that you're thinking telescope, not telescope. They used it to help their eyes adjust more quickly between the very bright ship deck and the very dark below deck because they, they'd patch one eye. So it was always adjusted for darkness because they were going in and out, in and out from like bright, dark, bright, dark, oh, which you didn't know. I didn't know Just, that. That's fascinating. Yeah. Um, and then you have, um, we have like, you know, the hook and the peg leg, right? Yes. Now, um, it's actually also accurate because battling pirates were very, you know, lost limbs from time to time. And some of them replaced those appendages with a hook or a wooden peg. Um, and apparently, according to the Smithsonian Institute, members of the crew actually received compensation for the loss of body parts. Um, it was an early form of workers' compensation. So pirates had that down in a way that a lot of society doesn't now. We don't have a lot of workers' compensation now. But they did then. If you were to lose your arm or your leg when you were when you were pi out pirating. Another aspect of pirates, um, the earrings, the big dangly earrings we think about with pirates wearing those. Again, um, they, they, you know, we th I don't know why we think they're wearing earrings. I guess it's because we think they've, they've got buried treasure, they're just wearing earrings because they can or something. Um, but apparently, according to National Geographic, sailors believed that applying pressure to the earlobe would ward off seasickness. So they'd accomplish that by wearing an earring. Yes. Um, but actually, unfortunately, it has nothing to do with mitigating seasickness. It's just like an old wives' tale. It doesn't doesn't work. But they'd all wear earrings thinking it was helping them with their seasickness. So that's why they wore earrings, which, again, is fascinating. Um, other kind of slightly more boring but also fascinating things that pirates had was a sophisticated mail system and a retirement plan. So, <laughs> A retirement yeah, plan? You know, they're out, like, you know, on the high seas, um, you know, doing what they do as pirates. And on land, they had very extensive networks that kept them in touch with the outside world. And they kind of had a mail system of these sort of ships that would ferry letters back and forth and it enabled them to communicate with relatives. And even they even had a commuter service to take retiring pirates back, you know, from sort of Madagascar all the way back to America or wherever they were from. So they had, they were quite advanced in some of those ways. You know what I mean? Um, there was also a golden, there was a golden age of pirating. Um, and the golden age um, of pirating, they say, was probably, you know, probably between 1650 and 1720. And this is where the sort of seafaring lawbreakers were kind of at the height of their fame. Um, and it was, it was during this time that we had the famous pirates like Blackbeard and Calico Jack Rackham and Henry Morgan and all these kinds of other kind of famous pirates that we might have heard of. Um, but what I also love is there were many, many female women pirates. 
And I don't know why I love that because I understand that it's a law-breaking thing, but it's also just quite a, a powerful um, a powerful role that these women had. So even though men definitely dominated the world of piracy, there were several notorious women pirates, including um, Jean de Clisson in France, um, Mary Reed from England, Grace O'Malley from Ireland, Anne Bonny as well. And there was America's first female pirate was Rachel Wall, who was eventually arrested for robbery and hanged at the age of 29. But I'm sure she got some great stories before that point. So there was all these like incredible, um, there was these incredible, incredible um Incredible female Chinese pirate. female one as well, Ching Shi. Absolutely, yes, Ching Shi. So she was, um, I have a lot on her. So she was, um, she terrorized the China Sea in the early 19th century. So she was a little bit later, actually. Um, she wasn't one of these early, early ones. She kind of, I guess she'd learned, she'd learned from the best. Um, and she was actually a, she was originally a prostitute who married Zeng Yi, who was a notorious Cantonese Chinese pirate. And um, she, um, together, they uh, they commanded more than 300 ships with anywhere from estimates range from 20,000 to 40,000 men obeying her orders. So Madam Ching Shi um, is thought to be one of the most powerful pirates in history, regardless of the fact she was a woman. And um, she was co-leading with her um, she was co-leading with her husband until he died, and she took over the red flag fleet of um, of of ships. And according to a historian, in 1810, the Chinese government promised amnesty and pardon to all Chinese pirates. And at this point, she'd amassed so much wealth that she decided it was the right time to end her career and, you know, give up her crown as a pirate queen. And she took the government's offer and kept all of her loot that she had. And she used her wealth to open a gambling house, which she operated in um, until her death in 1844 at the age of 69. So this woman was entrepreneurial. She had leadership skills. <laughs> she was great at operations. Man yeah, great at like, management as well. <laughs> wealth <yeah>. management. <laughs> exactly. So it's kind of, it's quite fascinating in that way. Like, it, it's quite incredible. And it's like a little bit of, you know, like a character of a mystery we might not have known much about before. But of course, we always associate uh, pirates with this idea of like huge amounts of wealth and very treasure and loot and everything. And that's very accurate. And they did um, they did search for gold and silver and jewels when they were plundering ships. But they were also on the lookout for maps. And this is very true as well. So we have that thing of that pirate map, the treasure map. And um, they were very, very valuable. Um, and there was uh, one described, a particular stolen Spanish atlas from 1680 that was extremely valuable pirate booty um, that overjoyed pirates when they finally seized it because it was a manuscript filled with navigational information with maps and charts and, and descriptions of different places. And it was so valuable that there was a pirate called Bartholomew Sharp, which is not what I'd expect a pirate to be called, <laughs> but that's what he was called. Um, and he printed this really colorful English version of it and presented it to the King of England and they say that it was the gift that spared him from execution because that's how valuable this map was. Um, and apparently, you know, they weren't they weren't just all lugheads. They they would pilfer books as well when they plundered ships. Um, they were they you know a lot of a lot some of them were literate and they were um, you know they needed some of them needed to be literate because you have all these navigational charts people have to be able to read. But of course, sometimes they took books with them. You know, if they just wanted the occasional you know lay on the deck, have a nice a nice juicy romantic thriller. Um, um, and they, uh, of course, the other thing we are quite famous for pirates, and I remember this from when I was a kid and being really fascinated by the idea of like 
nutritional deficiency and scurvy. Do you remember learning about scurvy and um, which are, well, lack know, of vitamin D? Uh, yes, lack of vitamin D, which is, would cause rickets, and vitamin lack of vitamin C is scurvy. So people get these horrible oh, yes, sores of yeah. they never had any fresh fruit or anything. And so they had this. Um, so of course they, you know, they didn't have all the things. They have this scurvy, and I remember just being so repulsed and fascinated by that as a kid. But they had a very special menu suited for life at sea. Um, obviously, they did not have refrigeration. So um, they basically had to bring food on board that wouldn't rot right away and immediately. And they relied on cured meats, fermented vegetables. Um, and they may have also kept animals that could provide the crew with milk, eggs, and ultimately fresh meat at the end of the animal's life. So they, you know, they had quite a, a special menu, which is, I mean, the idea of just eating cured meat and fermented vegetables sounds super high end now sounds like a tapas menu but it was it was not that back in the day um interestingly pirate ship captains who were obviously notorious for being very heavy-handed and loathsome and fearful and all these things they were elected they were actually elected um according to the smithsonian institute again captains were elected by popular vote and could be removed if their performances fell short um, and so, uh, so that's quite interesting. And they did have, they did have very strict rules as well. So, I mean, the other perception we have is that they're all just doing whatever they like all the time, but they did have really strict rules and they had the pirate code. And um, while the exact details of the pirate code varied from ship to ship, basically it was a kind of an, a disciplinary practices for things, how they would divide up stolen goods. So they were quite well organized, which I guess makes sense when you think, you're at you're at sea for a long time. You've got a long time to get really bureaucratic and down to the nitty gritty admin details, right? Um, but um, but yeah, as part of that, they often say that life aboard pirate ships was more civilized than life aboard merchant ships. So merchant ships, um, merchant sailors were treated really badly. They were paid really really poorly, and a pirate's life was actually proved to be a fairer deal. Um, you know, so actually a lot of people would escape from their merchant ships to become pirates for, for a chance of a, a better life. Um, you know, I mean, you have a retirement plan and you have a mail system and you have all the cured meats you could eat. Um, and as part of that, they also apparently often had bands on board, as in musical bands. So because they spent months or even years at sea with only a few occasional stops at ports, the sailors, you know, tended to keep themselves occupied, which is why they often had bands on board to, to play sea shanties and perform little plays and stuff like that. Um, and yeah, so I thought that was quite that was quite interesting. And the band was only allowed one day off a week, according to Black Bart Roberts Code. The musicians shall have rest on the Sabbath day only. So you could only get one day one a week if you were a band. That's how important you were to the ship, okay? Um, and they did keep parrots. Pirates kept parrots. On and their, they kept On their shoulder. Yeah, on, that's the one. Polly, yeah, Polly the Polly? They always have a Polly, Polly the parrot or something, Polly right? The parrot. Um, but they'd say that um, they, you know, of course, because they lived on ships, keeping a large pet like a dog or a monkey could be really difficult. But a man, um, but parrots were quite a strategic option because back home when they got home, people would pay really, really good money for a parrot, an exotic parrot that you've stolen from a jungle of Madagascar. And then, um, you know, they could buy them in all these different ports and sell them when they got home and they were colorful and they could be taught to talk and they were really entertaining. So they were like really, so they did have parrots. They did actually have parrots. And they had terrifying flags. You know, as we know, the, um, the famous Jolly Roger flag was a real flag. Um, so they had these really, really terrifying flags and they did fly them to warn others of their criminal intent. 
Um, so the symbols on the flags weren't necessarily the skull and crossbones that we'd see today. Um, apparently, Black Bart, the pirate, had an hourglass with the devil. Um, Captain Lowe had a red bl blood red skeleton standing at the ready to fight. And Christopher Moody, another pirate, his flag was so colorfully red, it became known as the bloody red flag. So they were quite scary flags. But even more scary is how um, quite sick they were with how they displayed them. So they would approach an enemy ship flying a lovely flag, friendly flag, and at the last minute would whip it down and whip up the Jolly Roger. <laughs> and then they'd be like, oh my gosh, it's pirates. So I was like, it's, and it's a sick joke. You know what I mean? Just start with the scary flag. You know I mean? Warn people in advance. Cruz, do you have any information about rum? Why do we associate pirates with rum? Or Of course. Okay, well, that's just because they needed to have... Um, they needed liquid on board to drink. It's like why they, you know, you can't, it's quite hard to bring fresh water without it sort of spoiling and going disgusting. Oh. And of course, you, you, how are you going to get through the lonely days of being on a ship and, and rum was the choice of liquid, uh, of spirit. Absolutely. So yeah, so that's, that's, I think that's probably why it was probably the spirit of the day. I'm sure you found there was different alcohols depending on the cultural region of pirating. Um, very sadly, um, which is upsetting, pirates did maroon troublesome crew members on deserted islands. They would do this and they would leave them there um, if they were being just to die on a desert island alone. It, they did do that. It's awful. Um, but they've been, um, but they have been around for a lot longer than a lot of us think they have. Um, Julius Caesar was captured by pirates. So, he didn't, uh, he became the Emperor of Rome. This was after, this is before he became the Emperor of Rome. When he was 25 years old, he was taken prisoner by pirates and held captive for 38 days. And they demanded ransom for his release. And when they told him that they'd set his ransom at a sum of 20 talents, okay, they were like, we've set you at a ransom at 20 talents. He laughed at them for not knowing who he, who it was that they'd captured. <laughs> and suggested that 50 talents would be a more appropriate amount. <laughs> he was offended that he wasn't worth more. <laughs> yeah. um, and on top of that, so he made himself really at home with these pirates and like bossed them around and shushed them when he needed to sleep. He made them listen to his speeches and his poems, which sounds very torturous and all of these different things. And when they were eventually paid, they, they did keep true to their word and they, and they let him go, but he wasn't going to forgive or forget. And when he got home, he gathered his forces and he went off and he killed them all. So that happened too. Um, uh, in terms of like the value of some sort of like stolen treasures and things that um, pirates had taken, apparently there was one score, a plunder by Captain Henry Avery, who with his crew once made off on a haul of money, jewels, gold, silver and ivory that would be worth more than $200 million today. It was, it would have taken them over 20 years to make that amount of money in like, you know, a nice, honest merchant vessel job, but $200 million in one plunder. So I can see why it would have been quite a lucrative career pirating, to be honest. If only they yeah. were hiring now. Yeah, if they're hiring now. Um, but yeah, but they do, they, of course they have that, um, we have that sense of, scary pirates and Blackbeard is one of the ones that we know to be quite scary. I remember when I was a kid reading about how he used to light little flames in his beard to look even like glow and look all scary, fires on his face when he met people. Um, now he sailed the seas in the 1700s 
and he was notoriously vicious and apparently didn't hesitate to use extreme violence when he deemed it necessary. So according to National Geographic, uh, tales of his cruelty are legendary and he even once shot one of his lieutenants so that he wouldn't forget who he was, which is a little bit heavy handed, to be honest. Um, you want to say, I want to say there were some good pirates, um, but they weren't really. Um, they, 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 there was one guy who was called Black, um, Black Sam Bellamy, who might have been a pirate, but it's a bit dubious because he was known as the Robin Hood of the Sea, which kind of goes against everything pirates are about, I suppose. Um, they say that he became the wealthiest pirate in history, not because of greed, but because of anger. Anger at the English system that exploited poor country boys and sailors like him. So along with his crew, um, his crew were his crew were a democracy and there was no record of the pirate ever killing a captain. So he was quite a kind pirate captain. And in a famous speech that we attribute to him, even though we're not 100 percent sure, he scorned the wealthy merchants that he plundered and robbed. And he said they rob the poor under the cover of law, forsooth, and we plunder the rich under the protection of our own courage. So he was quite Robin Hoody in stealing from the stealing from the rich and giving to the poor back in the day. But it's like, are you a pirate then, or are you something a bit different? Yes. You know, a, I mean, like a, let's, a good pirate. <laughs> um, the the word pirate um, is actually super literal. It comes from uh, it's derived from the Latin term pirata, which means sailor or sea robber. And from the Greek word, word uh, pirates, which literally means one who attacks ships. So they really went with like what it said on the tin when they when they when they when they were named. Yeah. Um, of course, Sounds they like were found. Piranhas, the fish that attack or eat people. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it must be. It must be piranhas and pirates. They must be similar etymologically. Um, of course, uh, you, we used to see uh, pirates in lots of different straits. They'd hang out in straits where the, you know, the sea got narrower and people would be closer together. So that was places like um, the waters of Gibraltar, which obviously I know quite well being from there, the Straits of Malacca, Madagascar, the Gulf of Aden, and the English Channel, which again, you know, can you imagine the English Channel just being full and full and full of pirates? Um, of course, um, We've talked about how there were all these incredible female pi pirates and these incredible boats and things like that. Um, but they did a lot for like economies as well. Like little seaports would rely on pirates showing up and pirates coming um, coming um, coming aboard la uh, coming on land and spending money in the local economy. <laughs> so they did a lot for advancing a lot of port ships, um, a lot of ports around the world as well. So they were they were kind of a catalyst in that way, which is super interesting. But yeah, so there's that's a little bit about pirates. That's a, a lot, lot about of, that's a lot about pirates. I feel like I need to go to a party to show off my knowledge on pirates now, Cruz. Yeah. Um, but, but of course today, um, today we do have, I guess, like I don't want to say modern, modern pirates. Yeah, modern day. Well, modern. there there is yeah, some sort of yeah. So of course, um, and there's a couple of things that we refer to. There's a couple of groups and people that we refer to as kind of the. The modern pirates of today, I suppose, um, and a, a large number of those are in um, Somalia. So Somalian pirates are probably our most notorious modern-day pirates who oh, prowl no. the waters in the Gulf of Aden. Um, but um, of course, it's a really different story, I suppose, today because many Somalis were forced into piracy when illegal fishing by foreign vessels and offshore dumping of toxic waste by international conglomerates heavily depleted the fish stock in Somali waters. So you don't really have, you know, again, you're, you're, you're choosing a career 
kind of out of necessity to feed your family as opposed to being, you know, having read about pirates in a school book like maybe we did and deciding that was a, a really exciting career. So when we talk about like modern piracy, it's coming from a place of, you know, it's like important to, I think, take it with survival. a pinch of salt and circumstances yeah. why these people are surviving the way they can right um and today they say that the the cost of modern day piracy has resulted in worldwide loss of about 16 billion us a year so it is still it is still like a a problem um at the moment but yes that's pirates oh one thing <laughs> other thing i wanted to tell you about really quickly was um you mentioned rum but grog was the pirate's drink you know, like you have a piece of grog. Have you not heard that word before, grog? Just a really good word. But grog was, um, which sounds actually like delightful, if you think about it, in, probably in a different context. Um, this was a, a mixture of rum, water, lemon juice, and sugar. It's like a cocktail. <laughs> Is that why people say I feel groggy when they're just a bit feeling fuzzy? Yeah. or? That's probably why they say that. I didn't even make that connection. Because maybe the they, they've been drinking grog. And that's very, mm, okay. Maybe that's what happened, yeah. It must have been that, grog. But yeah, so that's pirates. Yo-ho-ho ho, and a bottle of grog. Cruz, thank you so much for your sharing. Have you got any pirate quotes? And I'm not going to ask you to read it in the accent or... or... I, I don't, you know, unfortunately. Um, it was quite hard to find quotes. I mean, the only things I could find for quotes were basically verbatim lines from the script of Pirates of the Caribbean, which... Was weak to be honest. The CGI effects really outweighed the actual dialogue scripting. If I'm being honest, <laughs> I wasn't going to repeat it on air. They've, they've made enough from those movies. Exactly, without without us having to pay royalties uh, for, for for their lines. Well, Cruz, thank you so much for your sharing uh, this week. We really enjoyed um, learning more about pirates and the history and the fascinating uh, culture. If you if you like, I had no idea that it was such a rich fabric. Of of history, subculture. a subculture, a subculture, yeah. exactly resulted in sort of um, mainstream culture, I suppose. Anyway, uh, well, yes, yeah, sort of. Um, Cruz, thank you so much for your time today, and I look forward to uh, chatting with you again uh, next time. Thank you very much indeed, and that's uh, Cruzy McCalligan in for this week's audio column.